This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast. Today, our guest is Michael Overstreet. And if you don't know who he is, you don't have questions about your personal insurance that you have searched YouTube for because this guy produces video content like I change my socks. (laughs) That's right. Michael, it is awesome to have you, man. How's it going? How's the weather out there in Arizona? It is hot. And you know what? It's like 106 degrees today and the AC in my office went out. So I'm sitting in my office right now and it's 90 degrees. That is fantastic. That almost seems like you should like do what I do when I go in the sauna and give them a little bit of uh, eucalyptus on the, on the uh, hot colds for aromatherapy. <laughs> right. when I go in there. I'll probably go through yeah. 10 pounds today. <laughs> Kyle, what is no, your problem? With nothing, that? Nothing, about, not? nothing about that created a good visual for me. <laughs> well, I didn't ask you to create a visual. What you should have thought was the, your olfactory senses kicking in when I mentioned eucalyptus on hot sauna coals i was still stuck or stuck on how frequently you change your socks is that is that a i mean is that a daily thing for you or like like more than like twice a day like is it a frequent thing i mean you know i find it interesting that you tied that whole thing to how frequently i change my socks and not how frequently michael produces video content well that's what i'm saying it seems it seems like he would probably produce a good amount of video content. Are you changing your socks like two, three times a day? I mean, that's crazy. Um, it just depends actually. Well, I mean, listen, I've already been accused once on this for not wearing socks with cowboy boots. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, oh, that's, yeah, that's not, not lost good. on the other. Uh, that's not lost on me either. So Michael, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you came from and how you got into insurance. Yeah. So I'm in Gilbert, Arizona, like every other insurance agent in the country. (laughs) Um, Safe Street Insurance is the name of my agency. I first got into insurance working for Allstate agents. Um, I I hated that. I hated the captive world. So very soon I realized, okay, this is not the thing to do. So I broke off and started an independent agency. At this point, I'm personal lines. I'm like 99% personal lines. I'm um, slowly starting to get into some commercial lines in some niche categories. Um, One of those being tree nurseries, plant nurseries. We may talk about this later, but I'm big in the, in the plant world. Um, so I'm slowly moving into commercial, but right now it's um, just personal lines agency. 
and I have myself, an office manager slash CSR, and um, a full-time sales agent. Cool deal. Yeah, no, I think that niche is good for you, man, based on on what I've seen you post. And, I, you know, how much nursery business is out in Arizona? You know what? More than you would think, actually. Um, we are in a desert, but things actually bunch do of, grow bunch here. Bunch of cacti. <laughs> hey, that's actually big in the nursery. There, Cacti take forever to grow. Huh. Um, and so if you can sell a mature one, they go for a lot of money. Really? In fact, you can't, you're not allowed to cut down saguaro cactuses here. Even if it's on your property, you have to get a permit to be able to cut it out and move it or just cut it down completely. Huh? That's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's similar with palm trees down here, man. Like I've got a uh, Sago palm in front of my house that has to be, man, if that thing's not 30 years old, I would uh -huh. be shocked and it's worth a fortune yeah. because for, for that thing to get as big as it is, and I've had to really, I've really had to work with that because it had gotten some scale on it when we first moved in and had to completely cut all of the fronds off. And I didn't know if it was going to come back or not. And sure enough, it did. And it came back twice as thick as it was. So oh, there you go. There you go. You know, I'm never going to let my oldest son know that that thing's worth any money or I'll come home <laughs> one day and there's going to be this gaping hole in my landscape. Right. And he, you just pond, oh. pond your palm tree. He'll, he'll pull up in a red Civic with a fat tailpipe looking to buy <laughs> to deliver pizzas for a job. Uh, smart kid. <laughs> good, uh, good grief. Well, that's interesting. You know, I, I, um, you probably don't know this about me, but I actually owned a landscape company back in my mid twenties and we did a lot of, um, we probably did as much installation as we did maintenance. Okay. And um, that was in Birmingham. So completely different growing zone, uh -huh. but some really, really cool stuff that you, we can't grow down here. Like I love the lace leaf Japanese maple trees. Uh -huh. Can't grow them. Can't grow them in Florida. That's weird. Cause I thought you could grow everything in Florida. I wish I lived in a Florida climate. What's the soil like there? Hard and rocky. <laughs> Really, and, and salty, and the pH is high. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we have to. Every it's it's easy to dig down here, but you have to amend the soil a ton to get yeah. stuff to grow because it's so sandy. Yeah, yeah, we amend like crazy, and a lot of times, what you have to do is get a jackhammer. Like I actually just did this three weeks ago. I wanted to plant some plants. I had to get a jackhammer and jack down in to create a little chimney or a hole to get past that first layer of like hard. They call it caliche. It's basically like a cement, and you have to jackhammer past that. Otherwise, your plants are never going to grow. Hmm. Listen, people, if you are not jackhammering to plant <laughs> things, then you are not – you are just not working hard enough. Exactly. Or you don't, you don't want it bad enough. Exactly. You know, it's funny because it's the same way I went down, uh, blindly volunteered to install a brand-new landscape at my brother-in-law and sister-in-law's house when they lived in Pembroke Pines. And I was completely oblivious to the amount of coral that was in the ground uh, there yeah. and instantly regretted that <laughs> instantly. Like I was swinging a, a full, a bona fide pick. We had no jackhammer <sighs> or, a, or a gas powered auger. I was, I had to use a pick to break through wow. all of that stuff. It was crazy. Yeah. That's not cool. Well, so you don't have good ground there, but it, you have a good climate. Yeah, good climate. I mean, you can grow pretty much any kind of fruit tree here, I think, you know, of yeah. the stuff you would expect to be able to grow here. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, just different stuff when it comes to annuals and perennials mm -hmm. than what we could have up up in Birmingham. And, you know, it's heavily, heavily 
palm tree and in tropical stuff, which yeah. is fine, but yeah. I miss the other two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why I, I live in the desert where I shouldn't be growing tropical stuff, but I do. Cause I like the, I like the change. I don't want the, I don't want the cactus in my front yard, you know, um, or the Palo Verde tree in my front yard. So that's why I grow mangoes and bananas and all that stuff that you can grow in Florida easily. We had a massive here. mango tree in our, in our last yard. Like the thing was easily 45 feet tall. Did you, it, here's what I find funny. So here in Arizona and I know in Florida too, we have citrus and people don't even eat the citrus. They just grow here and people don't even eat them. Do people in Florida, like you have mango trees in your front yard, but I, I hear a lot of people don't even eat them. They just let them fall to the ground. Yeah. So, and, and the sheer amount, like when they would start falling, it was crazy. It was in our backyard and it was between the house and we had a detached garage. And so like, sometimes they would fall in the middle of the night and it hung over the house. Like I'm telling you, this thing was massive. And so I'd be sleeping and I'd just hear this massive boom and I'd wake up and be like, what the hell was that? And then realize that it was most likely just a mango falling. But no, I mean, they, they, there would be so many of them. Like I, I could go out there and pick up 20 at a time. And so I would either just give them to people or they would end up rotting. Like, I mean, there was no way. Plus my, my wife is a, very strange. She's not allergic to mangoes, but the sap that is on the outside of them. When uh, they come yeah. there's, a lot, there's a lot of people who have that. Dude, you know, she like she like like welted up and looked like <laughs> looked like hitch and i was like <laughs> yeah dude what is going on so that we you know we went to the to the urgent care and it you know we ended up narrowing it down to that but yeah um we did not eat them very often which is you know that's crazy yeah because here in arizona the few people that do grow mango trees like we count them like if we get 10 we're gonna savor every last bit those oh yeah no man it's so the opposite down here but what i i need to know what's going on with that hellified sap man because that yeah. stuff like i've known several people who have had that exact same thing happen from mango sap mm -hmm. you know it, it's crazy too because some of this stuff it just it looks completely different when you grow it yourself than what you would expect it to look mm -hmm. like my father-in-law has a lemon tree in his yard. I swear that the lemons are the size of a regulation football. <laughs> like it's, And he's like not injecting it with a bunch of fertilizer or anything like that. But uh -huh. I mean, we pulled in the first time. It, I mean, okay. Yeah. Hyperbole football, but <laughs> realistically these lemons are the size of an average mango. It's huh. crazy. Wow. I've never, crazy. never seen a lemon that looks like that in my life. And by the way, another fun fact about the old father-in-law's yard, since we're going to be visiting him this weekend, um, got a few coconut trees. Oh, nice. And they're tall. And when they fall, it's not nearly oh, yeah. as pleasant as a mango. And I was down on the dock not that long ago fishing with Ethan a couple months back. And I mean, there was one that dropped within three feet of me. Wow. And if it would have hit my head, <laughs> I, I, I would have been done, man. Yeah. There's deaths in like tropical places where people die like a large Wouldn't that be number of people die man? every year by coconut falling on your head. Death by coconut. <laughs> That's almost like uh, the god uh, the gods must be crazy or whatever. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Kyle, it's way before your time, yeah. man. You weren't even a twinkle in your father's eye at that point <laughs> when that came out. So Michael, how tell us about your agency. What have you done to grow? I mean, I know we'll talk about your use of video and I want you to talk about your new YouTube channel too cuz well, we laid the ground for that pretty good for the last 10 minutes. Yeah. But um, I'm interested in your agency and, and how you got into using video. You are the culprit who is responsible for me having that DJI that I carry around everywhere that I go now. And actually, you know, we've I, I talk about that thing a lot, but 
I, I've started using it for loss control videos. So when we go out and do like a loss control or I go out and do a loss control visit mm -hmm. to a property, obviously not right now, but right before COVID started, I would take that thing and I would videotape all of the things that I was seeing with my commentary while I went. And then I would present the loss control findings like a quote vid. That's cool. That's cool. I love that camera. It's so easy to use. You can pull it out and be, be filming within like five seconds. It's, it's nuts. It's like literally the exact size of the palm of my hand. It yeah. lays right in the palm of my hand yep. and the quality that you have. And what I found out about that thing is that they have drones too. I didn't know yes. that they were like the big drone people. Yep. So yeah, I've, I've already started clicking on that. That is exactly what I needed. I was just saying, life. we need a drone real bad. I am yeah. very soon. I'm getting a drone actually. And I'm trying to decide between the DJI, DJI and there's also another one, a competitor that's coming out that I'm looking at as well. Who's the competitor for that? It's called the Skydio, Skydio 2. And here's why I'm thinking of that one a little bit more is because it has better control qualities to it to where if you're a complete noob and you, you've never flown a drone, you can try and fly it like directly into a wall or into a tree and it won't allow you to do that. Hmm. That is exactly the drone that yeah, I have. Right, exactly. <laughs> That'll be a good move. <laughs> I have a hard enough time with a remote control car, man. Like sometimes <laughs> those things are backwards the way that you turn it. And mm -hmm. yeah, but that, I mean, so what would you use the drone for? Um, just cooler footage, you know, um, however I can incorporate it into my, into my video. Um, filming good shots of home when I'm talking about home insurance or um, cars fly over the freeway when I'm talking about car insurance. Just cool shots to incorporate into my videos. You know what? I'm going to brainstorm live right now with you because I think it would be absolutely awesome and freaky at the same time. This just popped into my head. Uh -huh. With all of the stuff that's going on with geofencing and all of that right now, if you did drone footage of somebody's actual street and then did targeted ads to that street yes. with the drone footage in it. Yes. <laughs> that that's a great idea. There you go, man. That's the that's the one you get for coming on the show today. Um, <laughs> no, I think it would be cool, man, because I've watched the stuff that you the that Nick Ayers has done, and I know that mm -hmm. you were doing something similar. Yeah. Where Kyle and you have, you may or may not have seen this, but Nick has did a deal with a drone where he flew over a neighborhood. And as he was flying over, little pop-ups were coming, were popping up with how much money he had allegedly saved each of and these that, people yeah. on, on their home insurance. And it's it was just cool. like boom, boom, boom. It's a good boom, idea. Boom. Yeah. It was a it was a cool looking, it was a cool looking ad that he did. Mm -hmm. Um I, I thought it was neat. I um, you know, from a drone perspective, there's a lot of things that from that insurance people can do using drones. Um, you know, from a production standpoint, even to differentiate themselves. But one of the coolest uses that I've seen is one of my clients, I, I had a company that I worked with when I was at another agency that was a manufacturing facility for, they did thermoforming and extruding of plastics. And they made like a huge market share of the plastic clamshell containers that produce go in. So if you buy strawberries, blueberries, all of that, there was a high likelihood that my client made that plastic clamshell. So they were looking for the guy that runs that company is absolutely phenomenal, like just down to earth, as you can imagine. It's a hundred million dollar company down to earth, you know, still wore boots and jeans like he grew up in the farm in the fields, you know, doing strawberries and everything and citrus. 
And so he was, the reason the company grew is because he could relate very, very well to the farmers and he would go out, he would sell the deals to these people. Mm-hmm. But they got to the point where they were looking for ways to differentiate themselves from some of the larger companies who do what they do. And he came up with this idea that they, they got a drone with a $100,000 camera on it. Wow. And they would and they would take that thing and fly it over the crops of anybody who was their customer. And they would identify areas of the crops that were having issues with insects or irrigation or whatever else. And then they would come back and provide that information to the farmer. And it saved the farmer a ton of money. And my client didn't charge them a dime to do that. It was just part of buying your clamshell containers from them. So that's a pretty solid idea Absolutely. in my book. Yeah, that's great. I'll tell you one thing, though. I wouldn't want to be the one flying that drone with that camera attached to it. <laughs> no, and, and what's even funnier is the whole thing came up in a matter-of-fact conversation at lunch. Like, it was never even reported. Like, nobody picked up the phone and said, hey, David, we have a $100,000 camera on a drone. that we're." <laughs> I happened to catch them because they were bragging about it. Like, a lot of things that happen, you know, uh-huh. like, the, like the client that calls you on Monday morning and says, what would happen if I used my dump truck in a parade over the weekend? Oh, <laughs> right. this, coming week- <laughs> this coming weekend? No, last weekend. Well, you know, I don't know. What would happen? Why are you calling me? Exactly. You know? <laughs> but that's cool, man. Yeah, I think the, the drone thing, there's certainly some some opportunity there. Um, but I'm interested. So what, you know, what have you done to grow your agency to this point? You know, how long have you been in business mm-hmm. and, and all that? So I've been in insurance for about 13 years. I When I broke off to go independent, I had a partner. He was more of a silent partner, but he was still controlling to a point where I couldn't go off and do what I wanted to do. Um, So I, free and clear on my own, have been about four or five years. Um, And I've just been working referrals. That's been my, that's how I've grown. I haven't bought leads. I haven't generated leads up until eight months ago. It's just been all referrals. Um, And so I got to a point where I couldn't grow at the scale I wanted to grow with just referrals. So that's where video came in. And I don't know how much you want me to go into video right now. No, I'm interested in like, talk a little bit about your referral stuff. Who, mm-hmm. like, where are you getting referrals from? How do you build that relationship? What works for you? Because, you know, you talk, every, that's what a lot of people say, right? You yeah. know, everybody go, oh, I, I go after mortgage brokers. I go after realtors. Well, uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm interested in what your approach is to that and why, how it works for you compared to what I've heard from other people. Yeah. So I would say the referrals, the majority of it was not realtors and mortgage brokers. Um, I've tried that my main source of referrals and what I prefer are my existing clients. I find when they come from my existing clients, they're already sold on me. And all I have to do is, is provide them a decent quote and show them that I know what I'm talking about and they're going to be my clients. And those clients are the ones that are going to stick around and have the high retention. Um, and, And I feel like I'm very personable when it comes to my clients. I take the time to talk to them and I've always made a point to do that. Um, because that's where all my referrals come from. So I just give the best possible service I can by, by responding quickly and genuinely caring about my clients. And I feel like they can feel that and understand that and they send me their referrals. Um, and so that's where I put all my, that, that's where I was putting all my eggs into that one basket. Um, sure, I had a few mortgage referrals. I honestly, that business, it's hit or miss. It comes in, you get the, the home. They don't really have a relationship with you. They have a relationship with the mortgage broker. Um, the mortgage broker may have maybe pushed them into getting the home quote and 
the home policy with me, um, but the client may have the relationship already with their auto insurance with another agent. And as soon as that home comes up for renewal, that agent that they already have the relationship with, they, they pull the home. Um, so that, like I said, that's just hit or miss. I find the best retention wise clients or referrals are coming from my existing book of business. Makes sense. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, you have instant credibility if one of your clients is referring you somebody in. I mean, it's like you said, it's almost a done deal at that point. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, from my perspective, we do, you know, the very similar, like I don't really have to cold call. I don't go cold call that much anymore uh, because of the fact that I've got channel partners that I've built up in different industries. I mean, different service provider roles. And then also, you know, what my client, my existing clients you know, send to me. And, you know, one of the things that I do and have always done when I bring a new account on or even periodically with my existing clients is I follow up with them several times throughout the year is I ask them, you know, who's, who's bringing you, who's providing your payroll services for you? Who's selling you your credit card processing? Where do you buy your business supplies? All of those things, because those are the people that I like to recruit but they're also the people that I want to be sending business to me as well. Because if you've got a payroll person that's in an account that I'm on, then there's a likelihood they're in other accounts that fit the exact same demographic that I'm not on Absolutely. and I need to be. And so, and the some volume of that, that they're in too. I mean, they're in tons and tons of accounts every single week. Yeah. I mean, and that's the whole thing. Those people, a lot of the time for us, you know, it works well because if you're a payroll person, most of the time they're selling against a PEO or they're trying to help somebody get workers comp and we get the call because they can't do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that opens the door for us to be able to go in and get the deal done for us. And it also gets the deal done for them because they can't get it without the workers comp. So, you know, we're, we're, we're killing the, killing two birds with one stone, but you, you knock a couple of those out. And then all of a sudden, you know, the payroll people are telling their friends that they work with and you got three or four of them. And the next thing you know, you're sitting here with just constant flow. Like I really, I really could just come to the office every day and not do anything at all for organic at this point, which is nuts. I do stuff for organic. I just don't, go out and beat the streets like I used to the majority of what I'm doing now is digital stuff but mm-hmm. it, it's crazy man it's absolutely nuts yeah word of mouth is 100 percent the best the the, the best uh, referral out there so I like the way that you do video I'm interested because I haven't really seen obviously if, if I saw paid ads for your videos then that's a problem if I'm seeing them in Tampa <laughs> Florida right yep so how much stuff are you doing paid versus what you're doing that's strictly content? I'm not doing much paid at, at currently at all. Um, all I'm doing paid right now is a billboard ad or evergreen ad that I run on YouTube um, to a, about a 25 mile range of my office. And also same thing on Facebook. That's all the paid advertising I'm doing right now. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you need to do it, man. I'll be honest with you. I mean, the way that I, so I have learned, it's been pretty cool working with Hanley, Ryan Hanley, mm-hmm. because he's, you know, he's in killing commercial and I'm helping him learn middle market and how to go about that stuff. But, you know, Hanley, Hanley knows a lot about content, a lot and, uh-huh. and how to generate it. And, you know, it's not necessarily that I didn't know about it, but I'm more the just, oh, I'm not getting enough out. That means I need to work harder. I need to put, you know, spend more hours doing it 
and he's really showed me a way to not have to do that. So I didn't even know about things like the rev, uh, website Rev. Yeah. Right? Do you know about Rev? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, so that's where my strategy has been is we shut down with COVID. Um, my whole thing is I know with that pocket camera, if I've got an idea, boom, I can get it on video immediately. And, I, and really, my strategy started out with do as much video as I can so that I at least have a reminder and I could go back and write blog posts around it later. Absolutely. Now I can just upload all of that stuff to Rev. They transcribe it mm -hmm. and they shoot it back to me. And I go in, pop it into Hemingway to make sure that they're happy with the shortness of my sentences and then Grammarly to make sure that Grammarly's right. And then they tell me my sentences are too short, which was awesome. <laughs> but, um, you know, put that stuff in there, slap some headings on it, make sure that it flows the way I want it to as written versus me saying it. And you've got instant blog posts, yep. man. So I like literally uploaded 50 videos to Rev on Monday or Tuesday of this week. And within an hour, I had 50 transcriptions back for my blog posts That's for crazy. Florida Rev. Yeah, they're so fast. And they're good too. It's accurate. Yeah, I paid the buck twenty-five for the for the human, uh -huh. so I wasn't I wasn't using the artificial intelligence. Yep. But I learned that that's a bit a big deal for me. The other one that I've been using is I've used uh, Clipscribe. So I was using Splashio to do all of the transcriptions and stuff in my videos, mm -hmm. and I found out, it, it, and it's great because you just record the video, you create your template, you upload, put the Dropbox link in there and any special instructions, send it to them, and then a day later it comes back. But if I'm not running ahead on having stuff filmed, that screws up my cadence yep. for sharing it on social. So yep. now with Clipscribe, I can make that video, edit it, be done with it, put it into Clipscribe, and then I edit all my own transcriptions. Mm -hmm. And I have it done the same day, exactly. you know, and so we've we've gone from, you know, my website substandard right now for content. If you went there, I think I've got like four or five blog posts on there. And that's all I've ever had uh -huh. for the last couple of years. And so when we slowed everything down, that became my main focus is getting content on there for SEO purposes and otherwise. But um, yeah, I mean, I, so all of that's a long way to discuss the fact I don't think you have to use a bunch of paid ads. You don't. My, my 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 career proves that. One of the biggest accounts I ever wrote was off of a blog post that some guy in Atlanta found because he Googled the workers' comp experience modifier. And it was a four or five hundred thousand dollar account. Wow. And I went up and we closed it on the first meeting. Wow. I got a voicemail, and this is probably the second time I've said this on the podcast, but I got a voicemail from this guy because I by the way, if you're listening to this and you don't do content, you probably should because this is a good reason why. Um this guy calls me, leaves me a voicemail and said, hey, David, I read your blog on the workers' comp experience modifier. I know you know what you're talking about. I want to hire you. I just need to know how much you cost and how quick you can get to Atlanta. Wow. That was the voice message. That's the greatest phone call ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, pretty much. But I mean, and then I've seen it happen over time. And what, what I don't think people realize is – when they're out screwing off, drinking beer, playing golf at two o'clock on a Friday afternoon and the CFO of a company just got their preliminary mod and they're freaking and they can't get this person to answer their phone. So they go to Google to see something and guess what shows up? Yep. I'm waiting with open arms. Yep, exactly. And that's the thing with video. It establishes you as the authority. Honestly, even if you don't know what you're talking about, just because you have that video and that content online where people can find it, 
you instantly become the authority and people trust you right people away. People are obsessed with video right now. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I mean, Chris Green was saying that yesterday when we talked to him, right? He had a deal where somebody was arguing, like another agent was saying mm -hmm. Chris didn't know what he was talking about with Flood. Yep. And like he said, this guy's got like several hundred videos on Flood <laughs> out. I'm going to go with that guy, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't you're the instant authority and also back to your point david it doesn't have to be difficult people don't like your video or your information because you have the best lighting in your video or because you you speak the best or because you're you're dressed the best it doesn't have to be difficult it can be quick it can be simple and you can get it up on your website and on youtube and spread that all over google and suddenly you're getting tons of organic or organic leads coming in from doing very when you, little. When you started, because you committed when? Probably like 18 months ago, or was it? No, not even that long ago. That? It was really? September or October of last year. No kidding. Yeah. So did you benchmark what your website traffic looked like then and then compare it to where you're at now and see what stuff's driving it? Yeah. Sorry to put sorry to put you on the spot if you didn't. <laughs> no, I make did. up a number. You just said you don't have to know what you're talking about. So just make a number. <laughs> right, exactly. No, it's it's jumped like I think it jumped like two thousand percent. Wow. Um uh, when I last just a yeah. Yeah. round number two thousand percent. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's crazy, man. And I mean it's all coming from your video. So when you do a content video, and I've watched your stuff because I think you do a good job with it, and I agree with you wholeheartedly that it doesn't have to be the production quality. Nick is a genius from that perspective. When Nick first came out and said, Look, selfie style video with your cell phone, yep. disrupt what they're watching. Or, you know, do you look normal or you look like you, you know, in my case, I look like I might do something stupid if I'm filming myself on a cell phone. <laughs> so people are going to watch, people are going to watch it. But I think that's true. If I, if I really took the time to get that thing polished and it's so funny, I shouldn't say this, but I will. It was hilarious when, so I, I watched, I don't watch Chris's videos, but, but they show up in my newsfeed because I'm connected to them. Uh-huh. And it was like two or three weeks ago, I shot Nick a message and I said, hey, just out of curiosity, man, um, did Chris Green get some new software? Because it looks like a freaking carnival on his videos now. <laughs> it's He had all these transitions and blinking yeah. lights and logos and they came out of nowhere. And I'm like, dude, why are you doing all of that? A, it takes time. And in my opinion, it takes away from the video. Why are you driving all over the country to get unique backdrops only to, you know, in my opinion, vandalize it with all of that garbage that was on there? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Oh, you know, and I, lo I love Chris to death. I hope he hears that, Chris. That's that's my criticism to you. I mean, not that you need to listen to me. You've only, you know, <laughs> established yourself as the premier flood guy in the entire country. But that doesn't mean you know how to make videos. <laughs> well, Chris has taught. He'll be upset with me if he listens to this because he's taught me a lot about flood to, or not about flood, about video as well. So I can't say anything bad about Chris. No, you know what? <laughs> in all seriousness, I think everybody can take a page out of that guy's book. Man, yep. there is nobody like. I really respect Chris for just saying, you know what? I'm going to make a thousand pieces of content and whatever. What do you tell, what do you tell us? Yeah, a year. <laughs> That's crazy. Come on, man. I mean, what are you like talking about random MMA stats halfway through? I mean, how do you even have that much content? It's flood for crying it's out loud. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> but he's, he's killed it. I mean, this guy has taken and built a brand. And, you know, he always gives the credit back to – they ask uh, you answer by Marcus Sheridan mm -hmm. and always in content warfare by Ryan Hanley. He says those two books and those two people yeah. 
or what got him determined to do it. And he just took it and ran with it, man. I, I mean, he's a great example for anybody who just, you know, again, it goes back to what I say when people ask me all the time, you know, how, how do you, how do I sell commercial insurance? How do I get into the middle market? Well, you just make up your mind. That's what you're going to do. And you go do it. Yep. I mean, there's no, yep. there's no real secret science to doing it. Now there's processes involved that can make you better at it, but as far as that goes, it's just a mindset, you know, and, and that guy had, he, he made up his mind and he, and he ran with it. Yep. I told, I told some people after IAOA this last year, you know, we go into these, these classes and we're like, okay, they're going to give us a secret sauce. And then after I get done with it, I'm like, dude, they didn't tell us anything secret that we don't know. All they told us is you just got to do it. Everyone knows what they need to do. It's just a matter of executing and doing it. That's all it is. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, you know, listen, the, uh, we talk about it all the time. The reason I got into the insurance industry is because I met with a guy that was a very, very successful agency principal. And he told me, David, if you want to be successful in any industry, you should come to insurance because it's full of average people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he said they're all he said they're C players. They do what they need to do to be average. And that's it. So if you consider yourself to be above average and he said, I can tell you from having conversation with you at lunch, you're above average. So you should come to work with me immediately. Yeah, I'm like. All right, I'm in. You know, I mean, literally, I flew from Birmingham, Alabama to Tampa, Florida to have lunch with this guy. I flew back and I told my wife, I'm out. I'm I'm gonna pack up, I'm gonna pack up the F-150 and I'm gone. Like literally within a week, I was gone and, wow. and had come down to Tampa and I started um I started my insurance schooling to get my license. And I back then you actually had to fit, we didn't have online options. So I would work from eight to five, or I would go to from eight to five. And I drove like an hour and 15 minutes each way to get there because I was living all the way out past where I live now. And the school was in Clearwater. Wow. And I get up every day and, and do that. And then when I was done in the afternoon, I would drive back and it was, it was light out till eight, eight 30 at night. And I was working plumbing, tiling and forming swimming pools to get some pocket change while I was getting my insurance license. So I was, I was doing this and making friends because this is back before the, the whole housing market crashed. So I was making friends with all the other subcontractors that were on these jobs and everything else. So I get my license. And the next thing you know, I'm just going right back to the subdivisions where I was working, putting pools in. And I'm like, dude, I need to write your insurance, man. You know, you're getting hosed. I had no idea what I was talking about, but <laughs> you know, I, I made, made all of these friends in, was able to write a chunk of business right out of the box as a result, which is why I when my kids ask me, dad, what do you do for a living? Well, I get paid to make friends. You know, that's what I do. Yep. And if you, if you can, if you can go into it with that mindset, you'll kill it every time. 100%. Yep. Like I don't work with anybody that I hate. You know what I mean? I don't have that one client that when the phone rings, I cringe. I now Kyle's got a few, but I don't, <laughs> I, Kyle's got a few that when they call, I cringe, you know? So, <laughs> But I mean, I don't really, I don't have that. I don't have that person in my book of business. And I mean, I think that's one of the cool things. And again, to your point earlier, man, I mean, there's not a worse feeling in the world than being entrepreneurial or feeling like you can make a difference or you want to do the things the way you want to do them. And you're beholden to somebody else yep. who's keeping you back from doing that. Yep. That, that, that's the worst feeling in the world. And if you're not entrepreneurial in nature and you're not one of these people who is basically not afraid to take risk. You'll try anything, but you know you have to cut bait and course correct quickly. People that are conservative in nature don't understand that. They right. they just it doesn't even resonate with them. Yep. So 
yep. here I am today because of that, you know? Awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're doing the video stuff with the insurance right now. That's working out well. Um, you know, 2000% in website <laughs> page views. Is, Give or take a little. <laughs> yeah. Pl plus or minus. But now you're branching out, right? It's pun, pun intended. You're branching out. Yes. Um, yes. And I'm using video to branch out. So as, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm personal lines. I, I want to branch out into commercial, but I want to do it strategically um, and focus on, on a niche. I always hear everybody talk about, hey, you need to find a niche and it needs to be something you like to do. So I've been racking my brain and then suddenly I was like, well, duh, I love gardening. I love fruit trees. I, my backyard is, is an oasis with fruit trees all over the place. So it makes perfect sense for my first niche in the commercial world to be landscapers um, and also tree nurseries, um, tree farms, everything to that nature. So how I'm using video to do that is I started a new YouTube channel called The Garden Nerd, and I am making content around that type of, that, that type of stuff. Um, trees, growing trees in your backyard, um, the best trees for our climate, the best bushes, things to that nature um, to try and eventually go after that type of niche business in the commercial world. I think it would be awesome if you were on a loss control visit walking through a nursery and you look at a guy and you're like, Pfft. Dude, what kind of operation are you running? You got to trim your hibiscus. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is it's a struggle I have because I grow a lot of stuff that doesn't or shouldn't grow in Arizona, and I have landscapers. I have a few friends that come over to my house, and they have no idea how to handle my stuff. I don't even let landscapers in my backyard because they're just going to ruin my stuff because they have no idea how to handle it. So I have to be kind in my videos, and I can't offend landscapers because those are the very people I'm going to be going after. <laughs> I just picture you out in your backyard with a little squirt bottle and some gloves on just talking to the, <laughs> talking to the plants, squirting it, maybe playing a little Mozart. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that wouldn't surprise my wife. My wife, <laughs> me. she says I'm like an 80 year old man out there with my trees and my, and my plants. <laughs> hey man, that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, by the way, what, what's up with the random Mozart reference? I don't know. Just the first music. Don't, don't people play like Mozart to their plants to make them grow or something? I don't know. They probably do. That just made me think you're that much more intelligent because you mentioned Mozart. Exactly. Get out of here, Dave. <laughs> go, wow. go change okay. your socks, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no kidding. But the, yeah, so I mean, I think that I think that's a good angle, man. And those are definitely good. I mean, that's a good niche and you can build on that niche from there. Yeah. You don't. Yeah, I'm not, be... I don't know anything about commercial. I probably need to talk to you, actually. So I figure, okay, well, I at least know the, the business side uh, when it comes to the tree nurseries and, and the landscapers. So now I just have to learn the actual insurance side. And from there, it should fit hand in hand. And, and I can learn it very quickly. And I can quickly become the expert in Arizona when it comes to that type of insurance. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what kind of competition you have on that stuff. I don't know. Do you do you know Mike McDonough? Have you ever met him? No, I haven't. The workers' comp renegade? No. <laughs> okay. Well, Mike actually has. He would be a good guy for you to talk to uh, when you get cranked up in this because Mike's got a program, like a self-insured program, and he's endorsed by – some sort of flower growers association in really? the San Diego area or whatever. But I mean, he's got like a ton of nurseries and growers. Hmm. That's good to know. I, yeah. He would, I've he would a be little a good bit of research and there's maybe one or two agencies that are hitting it pretty hard in Arizona, but there doesn't seem to be that much competition. And there's definitely no one using video 
as their marketing strategy. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think that's a, a you're passionate about video, you're passionate about plants. I mean, yep. Yep. what else? Yeah, I would be, you know, we need to figure out a way that Michael can creatively use time elapsed photography videos in his marketing approach. Yeah. I'm running, yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, like showing, like showing things blooming. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. yeah like the, like those old school science videos. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> Even like bamboo, bamboo grows so fast. I could get really cool video of bamboo, like how much it grows in one week. That would be cool. It is insane. I mean, I have heard, what's the stat? I don't even want to tell you what, what I've heard. Cause right. I don't want to sound ignorant. Like I've heard it grows like something ridiculous. Like it can grow up to two feet a day or something yes. like that. In the right conditions, it absolutely can. Yep. Right. I heard it, something insane, like nine, like 90 feet in two weeks. I don't know if that's accurate or not. It, but. That, some varieties. Yes. That is. Right. And it has to be in the right climate. So sure. in my climate, it's, it's not ideal. So it's not going to grow that fast somewhere like Florida. Oh yeah. Or somewhere in the Caribbean. Definitely. Yeah. My father-in-law, my father-in-law, the gentleman with the massive lemons and falling coconuts also happens to have some bamboo that he just randomly threw in his backyard. And like it, it's going nuts. But I, you know, the other thing is that stuff gets massive, like in terms of the diameter of it too. It, it does not so much in Arizona. In fact, so, you know, Jeremy Huerta. Yeah. I, I took him out yesterday. I, I showed him my, uh, my, tree nursery guy who sells all the tropical stuff. He bought two things of bamboo. So don't tell him that you'll scare him. But in Arizona, <laughs> it's not it, the climate again, isn't ideal enough to get that big and to grow that fast. So it's easily controllable, but you're right in Florida and other ideal climates. It's going to be humid, grow. right? Yes. Humid mm -hmm. and lots of moisture. Yeah. And not, not so much cold. Right. So that's one thing people don't understand about Arizona tropicals can grow in Arizona and it's not the heat they don't like it's the cold they don't like believe it or not we do get cold in the winter obviously not super cold we don't get snow but it gets cold enough to where the tropicals don't don't like it how cold does it get um maybe 10 days out of the year we'll get below freezing um hmm. but the low can be anywhere from freezing to 40 degrees that's pretty pretty similar to us, really. Maybe we won't be below freezing that many days. Yeah. It depends. Some some years we are. You know, it's it's an interesting phenomenon because when that happens, especially when it happens in like December, January timeframe, if you go three or four days at freezing or below, your issue is not that you're going to lose the plant material. Uh -huh. It's it's that the farmers because you're right at the prime of strawberry season, right? Oh yeah. So the so the farmers are running the irrigation twenty four seven to coat the yep. strawberries to to save them, and it ends up depleting the water table, and so we have massive issues with sinkholes just coming out of nowhere because you've got a void in the ground where the water table was, and like we were. It's crazy. One of my clients was a, a big furniture company chain here in Tampa and or in Florida, rather. And they were involved when we, like between Tampa and Orlando, from where I live, it's about 45, 50 minutes to get to the front gates of Disney World. And I, Interstate 4 is what connects the two. Well, I woke up one morning and I went to get my coffee and I flipped on the news and I saw one of my client's trucks laying sideways <laughs> in a big pile up in a big pile up on the interstate. And like this massive sinkhole came out of nowhere. Wow. Nowhere. And like there were like 40 or 50 cars involved in this. 
And it was so bad, they had to completely shut down I-4, and you'd had to go like almost an hour north and then go all the wow. way through the back way to get to Orlando. When, when was this? That was back in, well, I was working in Tampa at the time, so that would have been like 06, 07 maybe. So do they have like sinkhole endorsements or is that something that's, do you have to add it on to your, because I have no idea. We don't have those in Arizona. Is that something that's automatically included in your insurance or is it like an endorsement? So it. What they what what happens is it's mandatory that every policy has a catastrophic ground collapse endorsement on it, okay. which means that your house has to be completely rendered uninhabitable for that to kick in. Okay, you can buy sinkhole coverage, but good luck because they inspect every single house to see. And I mean, it's crazy if you've got so much as a crack in the driveway or the sidewalk in front of your house, you're out. Wow. They're not going to give it to you. And we, it's a big problem. Like where I'm at, it's not as, where we're at in Tampa. It's not as bad, but like where Kyle is, up, yeah. when you get into Pasco County, which he, Kyle lives across the street from our other office, you know, you get up into, into, um, Pasco, like oh, that's, yeah, the, sinkhole, I mean, that's right. the sinkhole capital of the world. Newport Ritchie, right down the street. I mean, yeah, there there are sinkholes. I mean, there was a while there where it was like every night you turn on the news and somebody's house got swallowed by a sinkhole. <laughs> or like that one. Yeah, there was one in Lando Lakes like last year or the year before. Yeah. Like these people are watching basically on a day by day basis as this thing's creeping closer and closer to their house. And like it devoured two homes right. and just kept spreading and spreading and spreading. And they're bringing all of these engineers out to try and like, I don't know, man, that's got to be a pretty helpless feeling. Like how do yeah, you, it's crazy. How, how do you stop the ground from collapsing right. in real time? That's nuts. And there's, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens too where people, you know, there's a lot of services for pinning, you know, they pin your house and then they fill it. They fill it with uh, some sort of concrete mix or whatever that stuff is that they put in there. Uh -huh. But they pump like truckloads of this stuff to fill the void under homes if they've had some level of settling or some sort of sinkhole activity. But wow, once that happens, you're done. Man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's nuts. Like I can tell you right now, you know, I don't have sinkhole. I wouldn't qualify for it because, you know, we've there are there have been some in the general proximity of where our home is. But if we ever have anything remotely close to that, all four of my kids are going to be on the business end of a shovel, making sure <laughs> that that house is uninhabitable because there is no way, you know, it, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy that you can't get coverage. So you just I hope you have good luck. Yeah, I think that you can get it if you go through Citizens, which is the state the state uh, fund, okay. the state insurance company. Because I had a, a lady that called that I spoke with last week about homeowners insurance, and that was her deal. She wanted to know, you know, she was with Citizens and had sinkhole, and I couldn't get her sinkhole because she wasn't going to pass the inspection. I could tell from the Zillow picture she wasn't going to pass uh -huh. the inspection. And so she stuck with Citizens for $600 more a year. Just to get that. Covered. Which it's funny for me to even hear that come out of my mouth, man, because I never like I don't ever deal with I've, I've dealt with more homeowners in auto in the last like month than I have in my entire insurance career because I'm answering the phone. You know, I'm the I'm the only one in the office. I answer the uh, phone. Okay. I, I you know, I'm 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 using quote rush to do all of the rating and all of that. And so we we've talked about it like it's a whole I actually have enjoyed doing personal lines because it's a complete challenge to me. It's a whole different 
whole different angle of selling. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, it doesn't, nothing that I do in commercial translates at all. And that's the biggest, yeah, that's the, that's the biggest thing that that I've always complained about is, and why I didn't personally want to be involved or, or have personal lines in the agency is because I can't reconcile in my head why I'm talking to an account that pays $50,000 a year in agency commissions. And my very next phone call is Mrs. Jones griping that her homeowners went up 25 bucks. Yep. Yep. You know, I just, I, 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 I'm not wired that way. And so it, it, but it's been fun. I I look at it as a challenge, you know, my close ratio, not nearly as high on personal lines. Like (laughs) I need, I really have been trying to figure out ways that I can can sharpen myself my skill set a little bit because that I'm competitive, man. It doesn't matter what it is, you right, know. If, right. if there's, I, I want to win. Period. So for me to get told, yeah, I think I'm gonna stay where I'm at. You know, I realize you know that it's twenty five dollars cheaper, and you increased me from twenty five fifty to one hundred, three hundred, one hundred. But yeah, it's not a big enough you know reason for me to switch where I'm at. I've I've really enjoyed working with this other person. <laughs> Why did you Why did you call to begin with? Uh, exactly, exactly. And to your point, you just spent a lot of time on that not to get the sell, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's funny because what do you use for a rater? Like, how do you rate your homeowners and your auto? Easy links. You for both? For home and auto, yeah. Uh-huh. And how do you, how, how many carriers do you run through easy links? For like auto, for example, we have two separate ones. We use Quote Rush for home. And we use easy links for auto. Why do you use two? Because, I never heard of that. Well, because every ounce of research that I had done told me that um, easy links was not nearly as accurate as it needed to be in Florida. And not and some of our carriers weren't integrated with them. Okay. And, and quote rush was very, very, was much more accurate. And quote rush has the virtual bot. So I can literally key the basic information in and set that thing free. And it goes out and scrapes all the data off the internet and pre-populates it. Got it. And then, and it's not completely hands-free. You still have to go in and like approve certain sections and all of that, but I can get it started and have it going on my one monitor and still work on my other two. And then just occasionally glance over and check off that everything's cool. And then, you know, we had easy links for the auto, but Quote Rush is starting to add auto carriers now. So I probably won't have two of them. Easy, wow. easy links has been relatively, it, it's been relatively accurate. I mean, again, it, it's, it's a learning curve because it's not like what I'm used to doing and it's garbage in, garbage out. So the more right. thorough you can be with putting it in, the less cleanup work you're going to have to do. Right. I honestly don't like easy links. I've just been with them from the beginning. Um, but no, I run to your question. I run about seven or eight carriers through Easy Links. And, and the other thing we don't have that you have, we can't package here. You can't package. No, we don't have. We don't have uh, the the only package markets that we have, or the only package market that we have is Progressive with ASI. That's it. Why is that? That's strange. Some of the nationals are starting to stick their toe back in the water because they all got their plow cleaned with hurricanes. Oh uh, yeah. So yeah. You know, it's what, what's interesting is we haven't had really bad storm damage. I mean, there was some up in, in Panama City and then the Keys got hit, but nothing like it was in the early 2000s. We had we've had one like every one really bad one every other year that hits one place in oh two or oh three, whenever it was like half of Florida got leveled. Like it was insane. Well, there's a bunch that were like back to back. Was that All, like, was that, that like Charlie and uh, yeah, um, Francis. Yeah, there was there there was like you know for a month where they just kind of ripped through here and just leveled everything. 
and the eye of all four of those hurricanes went directly over my house <laughs> where I, where I live now. I don't, I didn't live here then. I lived in Birmingham. My mom and dad were down here, but I mean, where I live, the eye of those passed directly over our, our house. I mean, it, it's crazy. But so what happened is everybody pulled out of the marketplace and they got forced going into citizens. Well, citizens is not supposed to be a competitive market. Citizens is supposed to be where you go if you can't get coverage anywhere else. Yeah. And, and so what happened is VC companies started figuring this out. So you'd have some venture backed startup carriers come down and they would buy blocks out of citizens uh-huh. as citizens carve outs. And that's where companies like Heritage and, you know, Security First and a lot of the other ones came from. And but the, the other thing is we really don't have AM best A rated carriers like the majority of what we have is demo tech rated you know, and that's it. How are the premiums on those? uh, It's not terrible. And and that's the other thing that premiums are all over the board. You could write, you could quote with a company in one zip code and they'll be on fire. And then you go to the other one and you try and quote with them and you look at it you're like, Holy crap, this is insane, man. If the, if the construction and everything is all relatively similar, it, it just blows my mind how they're, how the pricing is so hot and cold all over the place. Um, compared to what I'm used to on the on the commercial side. And then, you know, the auto is the other thing. It, it, you know, the other problem is it poses an issue for writing umbrella too, right? Because not everybody is going to be willing to write umbrella for us. So mm-hmm. if we if we're gonna write, if we're gonna package auto and umbrella, we have to do it with Safeco or nationwide or auto owners. Those are the those are the three we have where we can do auto and umbrella, and nationwide is still trying to figure out their pricing. They haven't they haven't figured that out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a constant adjustment. So unfortunately, we don't get to put critical mass there. But with the other stuff, like you, we could, it, Progressive is a very very difficult appointment to get in Florida right now. Really, they put a they put a, they put a moratorium on appointing agents because they appointed so many that they had to thin the herd. It took me about two years to get a progressive appointment. Wow! And what? And once we got it, we could. They we have to produce a certain amount of auto before they'll give us home and umbrella. Wow! In Arizona, if you're alive and a person, you'll get an appointment <laughs> with progressive. <laughs> well, that and that's the way that it used to be, man. That's why they're thinning the herd now. Yeah. I, I joke about it all the time. There were some monoline workers comp carriers that I swear to God, you could have been a gas station owner. And if you had a computer that you could quote from in the back office, they'd probably appoint you, you know, I mean, it's, it was, it was not difficult to, to get appointments back then, but you know, it's, it's, it's interesting and I, I enjoy it, but man, it's just so much to learn and retain in my head. I, some days I leave with a headache. Yeah. And I mean, there's so much difference in policy forms from one carrier to the next two in the personal lines arena. Like you got to know, the big deal here, I don't know if it's the same out there or not, but the big deal, deal here is, the, is water damage, mm-hmm. right? Who's who's excluding it? Who's giving you 10,000? Who's not giving you a sublimit at all? Yep. You know, that's so that's a major thing. You know, equipment breakdowns, another one. Yep. Some will give it, some won't. So, you know, just having the sheer volume of carriers that you have to have, that's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm going to make a controversial statement here for the – you know, average agent that does personal lines, but that's why I like Swift, man. I mean, I can go in and with Swift, we just put in the address and we have the quote in like a minute. Really? I don't know if Swift is in Arizona. 
I don't know if they are or not. They got a bad rap because they've done some pulling out. Uh, I think Oklahoma and Illinois are a couple of them, and they're focusing more on coastal areas. Yeah, but man, it's it's insane. It's bit and they're a rated. They're they're AM best a rated. So uh-huh. yeah, I've heard a lot of negativity about them, but I, I don't think they're in Arizona. Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't have anything negative to say about them until they pull out of here. Right now, they're they're relatively competitive, but I don't feel like. A lot of what I heard is they were buying business in these other states and they came in artificially low. I don't feel like their premiums here are artificially low. I think they're competitive, but I don't think that based on what I see, they're not winning every single deal. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so I, I, I say want. ride it while you can, you know? Ride yeah, we will. I mean, if we, if we need to move it, we move it when, right. when we have to, right. if they, if they decide they're going to play some, some games, yep. but I mean, we're, we're in a position right now where a lot of these carriers, these, Demo tech has hinted around that some people are losing their A ratings. So if I've got somebody AM best A rated that I can hang on to, I'm going to go ahead Absolutely. and go ahead and do that. I just, but I just ran one uh, down in Sarasota this morning and I put it through, I put it through quote rush and Swift came back at like 2,400 for the year on a $300,000 house in Sarasota, five miles from Sarasota Bay and the next closest one was like 3400 bucks. Wow. Oh. But I could do one in my own neighborhood and Swift is going to be 400 bucks higher, 4 or 500 bucks higher. Yeah. So Interesting. You know who I've been using is Openly. Have you heard of them? I've heard of them and I know a lot of people have been pretty pumped about them. Yeah, they're so easy to quote. You enter in the address, they pull from 30 different data points, pre-fill everything within 10 seconds you have a quote. They guarantee the dwelling coverage up to five million um, because they're the ones pulling the data, so they back it up. So they guarantee the dwelling up to five million, and the prices are just ridiculous. Hmm. I wonder if they're in Florida. I think they are. I think they are. Well, we'll have Might to be check. something to look into there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can get Kyle to quote all those homeowners policies. That's- <laughs> <laughs> I love quoting homeowners policies. <laughs> All right. Well, we've been going for a while. Before we wrap up, Michael, what's the biggest lesson you've learned since you've had your agency? What's the what's the number one thing that you've learned that you would say would be good advice for anybody else out there, whether it be from a sales standpoint or an operational standpoint? I think going back to what I mentioned earlier, every agent is looking for that secret sauce. Um, they're looking for it to be done for them. No one wants to go out there and just do it, even though that's all you have to do. If you want to be successful in the insurance world, Find out what you want to do, what specific niche or what what road you want to travel down, and then just go out there and do it. Um, you had mentioned the guy that told you, hey, you'd be great in the insurance world because everybody in the insurance world is just average. I think that's why you see these uh, different vendors pop up and why they're so popular in the insurance world, because they promise, hey, I'll do this for you. I'll do this for you. I'll solve this problem for you. No agent wants to actually solve their own problem by just doing the work. So everyone, again, is looking for that secret sauce. Um, yeah, I think I think it's true, man. Everybody expects you to have a magic wand, yep. right? So even people even people who come through through our training program, I'm not going to go out and sell for them, yep. right? I'm going to give them I'm going to give them the information. I'm going to I'm going to use a, a buzzword. I'm going to flatten the curve, <laughs> and and I'm going to show them, you know, after 15, 20 years of doing this, this is the best way to do it with the best close rates, best retention for exactly what you're looking to write. Yep. But you still got to do the work, yep. man. I mean, and that's the whole thing. And I, I just can't, 
I can't get my arms around that. That's not what what's in my DNA. That's not yep. how I've ever been in, in my life, period. Yep. Like I just I will get after it. I could be a multimillionaire and I'm still going to get out of work and I'm going to grind every day because I would get bored. I know how I am. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, you know, you're different obviously. Um you're different than most agents, that's for sure. Most people. Yeah, that's why I like it. Yeah. That's why you've been so successful. Um we we had a YouTube training yesterday on Nick's course and the, the, the lady that was training, she's huge in YouTube. And she just kept saying the difference between making it on YouTube and not making it on YouTube is just sticking with it. Just get your plan in place. Don't stop on that plan. Keep going. And eventually you're going to be successful. That's so, true for most things. It is true for most things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting though, with, with social marketing, it seems like that's the dynamic regardless of what the platform is. I think, and, and I've heard, I've got a lot of guys that, I, that I'm friends with that are social media marketing consultants, have companies, whatever else. And it's crazy because every single one of them has said the same thing to me at one point or another. You know, they say everybody quits just before they would have been successful. Like they, yep. and, and that's the whole thing, man. Everybody works to a certain point. This industry, the same, they work to a certain point. And that's where all of them drop off. Yep. And then they drop off. And the ones who continue to push are the ones who eventually come over the side. And, and they're really, really successful. Last question before we cut out. How is Better Agency working for you? I love Better Agency. I'll tell you the one thing that I love about it. And I think this says everything. They are 100% willing to listen to agents and make changes and adjust accordingly. They're not building a system the way they think it should be built. They're building a system based off of how agents who are actually doing the work want it to be built, which I love. So what, what has been your biggest success using it so far? Um, basically, so it, in the past, I had issues where quotes would come in. We would quote them. It wouldn't work out. We would try and put them in our follow-up, but every so often they would just fall through the cracks with better agency. Nothing's falling through the cracks. The follow-up is phenomenal. The cross-selling is phenomenal. Basically the system does all of that for me to where I don't have to put my own systems in place to track that better agency is tracking that for me and following up with it for me. And it's pretty much out of the box that way, oh, yeah. right? Like how much, how much customization did you have to do for any of that? If you don't want to, you don't have to do any customization. I, I like to go in there and change a few things. Soon I'm going to be adding some of my own videos in there as well. But if you don't want to, you don't have to do anything. It's it's pre-built and from day one, you're up and running 100%. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I, I, I'm watching what's going on. You know, obviously I'm buddies with those guys mm -hmm. and, you know, we've, we've talked back and forth about things that they need to be thinking about as they're building out the commercial piece of that. Yeah. Um, I'm really, I'm pulling for them. My problem is, I've invested well over a hundred thousand bucks in HubSpot. You couldn't pry me out. You couldn't pry me out with a crowbar at this point. Yep, I don't you know? blame you. I, it's it's the pro, you know, and that's that's the thing. When you build a customized solution like that, you're doing it for life. Yeah, exactly. You're not gonna. We were talking again. We were talking to Chris Green, and they've they're jacking him around on his renewal and trying to raise it to a ridiculous yeah. rate. Yeah. And and he's like, I'm I'm I think I'm just gonna leave. I'm like, dude, you've got to be kidding me, man. There's there's no way I would just suck it up. The, the amount of time that you're going to have to spend to rebuild that yep. everywhere else yep. is going to way be way more than what it's worth. Exactly. I agree. And he's put a lot into his HubSpot. I know. Yeah. That guy, like it's, 
it's nuts, man. He's like, uh, what's that? What's that movie? A Beautiful Mind or whatever with uh-huh. Russell Crowe or whatever uh-huh. it was. Uh-huh. Like you put that guy in front of HubSpot. He's or or a Goodwill Hunting when Matt Damon's like writing that massive equation or whatever. That's that's Chris Green's whiteboard for his. Right. HubSpot, you know? <laughs> he won't find that anywhere else. That's for sure. No, not at all. Well, listen, man, I'm glad you got to come on today. It was good talking with you. I appreciate you sharing with us. Thanks I'm for looking inviting forward me on. To, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the the new YouTube channel kick out and uh, looking forward to uh, continue to watch the stuff you're putting out for personal lines as well. If anybody wants to follow you, tell them where they can follow you again. All right. So the YouTube channel is The Garden Nerd. My Instagram is The Garden Nerd as well. You can follow me both those places. Good deal, man. Well, Michael, I hope you have a good weekend. I hope that uh, your harvest is bountiful. <laughs> that's the best uh, uh, um, compliment, or not a compliment, whatever it was. That's the best I've ever gotten. <laughs> harvest best, is bountiful. The, I love it. <laughs> the best, the best well wishes. Well you wishes. There you that, go. <laughs> you can you can use that across any platform you want, whether it be insurance or growing. There you go. All right, man. Hey, well, I appreciate it, for David. Thanks on. for inviting me on. Michael. All right, brother. Man. We'll talk soon. Right, See you. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.